Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Live, the official Hype Sports Innovation Podcast, providing all the must-know info on every cutting-edge aspect of the sports tech industry. Today's session features Daniel Bernard, an investor and venture partner in MindSpring Capital. Daniel joins our host, Amir Aved, to discuss the current state of the market and what parameters an investor is looking for in today's startups. Stay tuned for yet another jam-packed podcast. All right, so uh, Daniel, um, you made it. Yeah, finally. Uh, yeah, we wanted to have a chat and, you know, the we are living now in special times. On one hand, we have the sports universe booming in terms of innovation and investment, and you know it from the entrepreneurial side and the investment side. And also we are looking at the market, which is now ooh, a little bit uh, shaky, especially I would say the, the capital markets. But I just asked you, since you're not far, to pop in and say hi, and maybe just so we can have a chat a little bit about, I would say, uh, the current status and a little bit just to hear your thoughts and overview. But yeah. you grew up in London. That's right. So. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, how did it all start? So first of all, I really like the way you swept under the carpet, the downturn in the venture capital. You started talking about that, I said, let's leave that. We'll talk about that later. A little bit later. <laughs> now let's talk about personal stuff uh, for sure. Um, so yes, as you say, I, I grew up in London um, and I've been living here in Israel now for t- almost 23 years, which feels like a lifetime. Well, it is oh. a lifetime. Um, and um, as an entrepreneur, uh, I think my... You know, I was always very entrepreneurial. I was always trying things. Um, even before it became business, I was always trying things out at university. I ran groups. I, uh, I did trips for people and just for my own pleasure, really. And when I, um, I got my first job out of university. Um, Which part of London, by the way? Uh, North London, of course. North Any good London. Jewish boy has to be from North London. <laughs> We're not south of the river, you know, that's, okay. <laughs> that's for sure. So I was born in um, Southgate, which is uh, okay. up the Piccadilly line, yeah. almost near the end, yeah. um, which is, uh, you know, not the most ultra Jewish areas. It's not Golders Green or Hendon, yeah. but uh, I went to school with a lot of people from there. Uh, and I was very fortunate with um, uh, a very strong traditional Jewish upbringing, uh, parents who had their own own business. So I think just even from the kitchen table, you know, you pick up without mm. even realizing it. Just when I look back on it, you, you pick up uh, a different mindset of, of life and to a career rather than just working a nine to five and for better, for worse. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I definitely think that that had a massive impact on me being, uh, becoming, for want of a better term, an entrepreneur at some stage. From early age, you knew you're going to be, to start your own business. So it was like a fluke. I don't think I ever really thought that far forward, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, I remember being at university and people were saying, what are you going to be in five years time? I was like, how the hell do I know? You know, why are we talking about five years? Time? It never made sense to me. And in this day and age, when I'm a lot older, it makes even less sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, take the pandemic as being one of the biggest indicators of we just do not know. And that doesn't mean sit on your ass and don't do anything. That means don't be afraid too much about what you don't know. Yeah. Now, that's an easy thing to say. It's not a concept that's simple to grasp and enact on. And I think that my... Yeah, it was a state of mind of, I will deal with, with yeah. what it, what's coming when it's come. Sure. When it comes. But yeah. I think that looking back on it, it was natural with me. I didn't like teach myself to yeah. be like that. And I'm so thankful. I think that, um, you know, my strongest asset growing up was that I didn't, I naturally didn't, uh, didn't fear the uncertainty. I always actually... I think almost to a fault, I, I looked it out. I, I wanted the uncertainty, wow. whereas all of my peers, I remember 
the final year of university, everyone was like, oh, where am I going to be? Where am I, gonna be? I was like, why, why are you so worried? You know, and, and I think other people looked at me like a bit of, on the one hand, disdain. Uh, on the other hand, a little bit of jealousy. It's like, how the hell is he not worried? It just never bothered me. Um, but I didn't try to be like that. I was just fortunately like that because that allowed me to do a huge amount of different things. Some yeah. failed, some succeeded. No, I can relate to this in terms of uh, being in an uncertainty is like my natural place. Yeah? Yeah. But how are you when things are good? Because sometimes, you know, when things <laughs> yeah. are good, this is scary. Because yeah. yeah. usually you, you got used to the... You know, yeah. to being out in the jungle and fighting and, you know, yeah. and being uh, underdog and, uh, and you, you know, you crossed the line in yeah. some stage. So you sold your business. And so I think how that, are you with, with that's handling a really, the... That's a really good question because I think that what I learned at one stage is that sometimes I would be pushing change for change's sake. And that's dangerous. Mm. You know, constantly trying to change things up because either I'm getting bored and I need a new something or whatever. To that. And... And I had to be, someone actually had to put a bit of a mirror at, uh, towards me around, I don't know, 2008, 2009, while I was doing it, because things were going very well. And sometimes when things are going well, just great, just keep the ship going forward. Yeah. And I'm like, let's now do this, let's now do this. Is that the entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. Hang on, hang on. You're going to disrupt and derail potentially what's going well. And that's one of the things that I've had to really keep an eye on, because that's my natural tendency to make sure that if I'm leading a business, you know, use that as a strength. Don't let it become a weakness because, you know, weakness is often an overdone strength in some situations. So, yeah. you know, being able to change things up and pivot is great under certain situations, but not always. And so I've need, I need to keep that in check. And I think that the further you go in life and you become a little bit wiser, and of course I'm a lot wiser than I used to be, and I guarantee you in 10 years, I'm going to be wiser than I am today. Um, you've got to learn how, where, how certain character traits can actually derail you and can can cause you a whole host of problems. So self awareness is key to yeah. really understand what you know what we're good at and what you know. I know for for fact that I'm always very similar driving things forward, and I need somebody around me to help me take care of the day to day. Yeah, you know it's and to be aware of that, I think it's very important, and, yeah. and to be aware of what we're good at and what we need help with. Yes, and to, 100%. And to ask for this help and to, to create it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, um, yeah, that's something that as an entrepreneur, we, we, you know, it's better to discover uh, ASAP, as I say. Exactly, otherwise we could burn ourselves out on, the, on our own talents. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, if you look at the journey of you, you as an entrepreneur, give us like your main, uh, I would say, uh, stations. Okay, so I think the first one after first job out of uh, university, I didn't quite uh, click with the company. And I left to set up uh, my own first company. I was 23 years old. And 23? It was in, yeah. Okay. Um, and it was in the south of France, which was an area that and I you knew speak well. French? I do speak French, yes. Okay. Yeah. From home? Uh, well, it's my degree, actually. Okay. French and Italian. All right. So... And the luck in Europe is if you get two of those, you get one free Spanish. Okay. So it's like a, a deal, buy two, get one free. Yeah. It's not the same as speaking like Chinese, German yeah. and Korean, which are completely different languages. It's, they're all very, very linked. Anyway, so I wanted to set up this, this business dealing with uh, children's activities because I dealt and worked with children for many, many years as a director of summer camps and things like that. Mm. And I had this, this idea that I was sure with my big head, big arrogant head back then, 
oh, this is brilliant, this can't fail. You know, and I, it's funny, as an investor now, I look at founders who are very young who pitch to me, this can't fail. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're deluded, you're like I was back in those days. And trying to understand that there is a potential failure, uh, a potential failing on, on, on yeah. the way and catch that earlier, which I didn't. And, and fail, it did, 100%. I made so many mistakes. Um, and what, what, what was the, the, I would say, what, what was the outcome? Why you say it's a horrific, uh, you well, know. I lost all my money. So you lost money? <laughs> yeah. Your, well, your I took, money or your father's no, money? No, my father's money. So I took, I took a loan from my father and from a good friend. Okay. And um, it wasn't, you know, look back on it. it so it was. How much money? Uh, 15,000 pounds. It's a lot. In, we're talking and about a 90s? 99. 99. 98, 99. And yeah, and, and, and a lot is relative. First of all, it was obviously much more than it is today. Yeah. But back then, as a 23-year-old <laughs> with nothing, this was yeah. like my whole world. I know. And um, I packed up shop in France, made so many mistakes. And, and I thank the Lord for these mistakes because they led me to a lot of knowledge going forward. And I, I remember I drove, I had this old Nissan Bluebird. That was my like mm. fifth hand car. Yeah, yeah. And I was driving it all the way home to London from the south of France, chugging away along the uh, autoroute. It was one of the loneliest journeys yes. I've ever had. You know thinking that you needed to tell your father. And oh, he knew him. already. <laughs> he knew already. But, you know, that was the, the luck. And it took me about five years, I think, to pay the, the loans back in full. Uh, but that was really important. You didn't for me. say to yourself, that's it. I'm done with entrepreneurship. Well, I did in a way because what happened was. First of all, the, the impact of that failure, it was deflating, you know, all of a sudden, and I didn't realize at the time how good that was for me, because as I said, I had this big head, I thought I could do anything. And realizing that you can't was actually strengthening me as mm. a person. And, um, and it also taught me, you, you learn from your, your yeah. mistakes much better than you'll learn from other people, yes. for sure. And from your successes, much better. Yeah, well, I think you learn much more from failures yes. than you do success. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I got back to England and, and I'm this 23-year-old with no money, debts. And one thing I knew I didn't want to do was go and work in um, UK corporate. Uh, in, I just didn't, it wasn't me. I didn't want to get, you know, swallowed into one of these yeah. big corporates. And I'd been seeing this nice Israeli girl for a few months, um, you know, remotely. It was back in the day when people actually wrote letters to each other. I feel yes. very proud that, you know, we have letters, yeah. handwritten letters. I remember waiting. I had a girlfriend in France, by the way, the teenager, and I was used to wait by the, for the postman. Yeah. Outside. <laughs> it's a great time. Like, yeah. I, Shit. it's a beautiful Disaster. thing. Well, <laughs> Every three weeks, if I was lucky. <laughs> you weren't waiting for three weeks, I hope. Uh, every three weeks, I was waiting for the waiting yeah, for the post to yeah, come. A couple of days around there. <laughs> but it's yeah. a, I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, um, if people are, you know, of a certain age, we say, oh, it's a shame youngsters don't have this. But it's true. You know, we, we got the privilege to live through different things. But I guess they'll live through other things. They'll look back on the time when, do you remember we used to send WhatsApp messages to each other, things like that. So I guess I remember it's just getting a with a, a specific letter with a picture, with oh, actual. Wow picture of her wow out of after many many letters how exciting this was imagine yeah. now you get you know i know you just get <laughs> so easy up. everything's too easy yeah. absolutely so um, how old are we uh, Shit. Ah, okay let's leverage it in some way yeah <laughs> so um so i i thought you know what um, i don't know what i'm gonna do um and i didn't have any not only did i not have the money i didn't have the guts to try something new anyway yeah so i thought okay i'm back to square one but i'm only 23 let's let's go to israel and see this girl and see what happens uh because i've been seeing her you know we, we she came to visit me in france and uh, it, i always joke with her that 
um because by the way the happy ending here is she's still my wife after yeah. 22 years wow. so uh that uh i said she's like always been my lucky charm the only week that i actually broke even operationally in france was the week she came and visited me <laughs> <laughs> she, actually she never lets me forget right. that and, and uh uh so i went to and she i see she saw you during the downside oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and she took me on during the downside oh, this is the most great. amazing thing you know so uh it's a good uh, relationship she, took, she, took me uh, on. she was not only did i have nothing i had less than nothing i had debts <laughs> <laughs> so and she stayed there she, wow, stick. she stayed there she's she's been my guiding light ever since wow. and uh and so i just took a, a deliberately a one-way ticket to israel uh, because i wanted to to give my mind you know, a direction said, just take a one-way ticket. Let's see. And I never came back on that ticket. Wow. Basically, that was 23 years ago almost. And um, in the end, I, I emigrated to Israel um, more for practical purposes because I needed to, to work. And if you're trying to get a job in this country as a tourist, it's, it's yeah. not going to fly. So I actually emigrated not because I was a Zionist. I became a Zionist later on. Um, and I love this country. I adore it for all its faults. And there are plenty. But I love this place. And I'm delighted and proud that my children have, been grow have grown up in this place. Um, but I made um, made Aliyah at the beginning to um, uh, to help me get a job, which I needed. And it was quite a while before my next, well, actually it wasn't that long, <laughs> now that I think about it. After a year of teaching English, I realized I'm quite good at it. And I was teaching for other agencies here, like Berlitz, those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. So I set up my own English speaking business. Oh. And that was actually going well. That was with my wife. And she took care of all the admin HR and we did courses. And mm. it, was, it got to a stage where um, we had to decide, it was very successful from the point of view that there was demand for what we wanted to give um we were working with business english and banks and things like that and uh i had to make a decision is this what i want to do to go to the next level to train and hire up other teachers and i realized that's just not what i want to do and i didn't really know what i wanted to do but i knew it wasn't that and i and i was lacking some sort of belonging in this country you know because the course isn't very lonely you yeah. get up in the morning you do a course or less course course less you're, your own. Yeah, you're yeah, on your you're own you know what bubble. it's like yeah, yeah. And I, I really felt like I needed that connection to something. Um, I always had, do you remember the old uh, comedy Cheers? You remember the bar in uh, Boston? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the, the I always have this ringing in my head is the um, soundtrack was where everybody knows your name. Uh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? Where yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah. I just feel like I'm lacking that. I go, I know where I go. Does anyone even know yeah. me? And this also signals a bit about my character. I need that. I need yeah. that belonging. And I was very, very lucky to get a job um, at the sports channel here. Um, so I got a job in 2001 at the Sports Channel, which really saved me in this country. And, uh, and my bosses there, I thank them to this day for that, um, gave me that opportunity, entry level sort of production job. And because of my languages and uh, especially English, um, I quickly dealt with a lot of things abroad and I ended up buying rights, which was fun until the media downturn mm. meant that I wasn't buying anymore. I was trying to cancel contracts to keep us out of uh, court and things like that, which was less pleasant. But I learned a hell of a lot about the sports industry by working in sports TV, because when you're in broadcast, you you get to see the whole event from start to finish. Mm. You understand what's needed at the venue, how they run sponsorship at the venue, how they the ticketing is run, the production, the OB van, the uplink, how the fans engage with that at home. And it's a brilliant intro yeah. into the sports industry. And I, was, I didn't choose it. I was fortunate. Um, and then my next entrepreneurial um, uh, drive came in 2004 where I set up again together with my wife we worked together for eight years which is wow. quite unbelievable until uh, I drove her crazy enough that yeah. she said enough is enough uh, of the business not of the marriage <laughs> <laughs> yes. and um, that was uh, a data analytics operation that became Redwood International yes. Sports which uh, has been my anchor ever since so 
you know, that's, I think, in um, a rather large nutshell. Uh, so you started in 2004, you sold it? No, 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 that was no, still going. Still going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. You know, we, I think anyone trying to get into the performance, physical performance uh, area now is really tough. Very saturated market. Very, yes. very saturated. It's like, even if you've got a fantastic product, it's hard to be seen. You know, when you think about companies in your portfolio as well, it's, it's one of the areas that I think I was like, I love that because I know it, but... <clears throat> it's hard to get in front of uh, clubs and clubs, as you know, it's like they're still in this, uh, in this process of accepting upgraded tech for their, uh, their teams, where I think the performance analytics can actually serve other industries uh, like the betting industry uh, with a better ticket, better pay ticket. So, you know, these are all learning areas, but I think that- So you know, what, what did you do there? Uh, you know, how, what, what kind of, uh, challenge or, or need did you did you find there that you wanted to to solve so it started you know we were thinking that um there must be more uh on the pitch that we can uh analyze mm. that is available yeah back in 2004 it's crazy you think there was nothing available so so you get the score of a game let's talk about football so you get the score 2-1 does yeah. it really tell the story we all know it yeah. sort of only partially tells the story so what more can you get and only on the top leagues could you get anything like shots on target shots mm. off target corners for whatever that's worth you know there was nothing really um that tells the story about what's going on on the game and we set out to to tell a better story mm. to really reflect what's going on on the, on the pitch and where we um really achieved great success was we added a huge layer of subjective analysis um and that was basically and that's difficult and in entrepreneurship Difficult. It's great mm. if you get it. It's not the yeah. blocker. If it's easy, it'll be easy for the next guy yes. as well. You know, I always think if we're sitting around a board table ideating about something, we've got to imagine that 20 other people, probably better than us, mm. with deep pockets are doing this exact same thing right now. Yes. So why are we better? That's always the challenge I put to any ideation process. Yes. Why, let's, let's understand why we're better. So if it's like, oh, we can do this, 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 we'll make a million dollars. No, it doesn't work like that. So trying to gain a reflection of what's going in the game statistically i'm not talking just from a data point of view but statistically and there's a difference here mm. and there's a di an important difference that a lot of companies get wrong they think they call themselves statistics companies they're not they're just throwing data mm. at you and saying now you deal with it, it give, like in football one of the uh, least uh, important pieces of information in football if you're trying to understand what's going on the pitch is let's say possession which is great if you're sitting at home. It's an interesting stat, but it means nothing, mm -hmm. literally nothing. Anyone who, yeah. who sits there thinking, wow, look, 73% possession, we're in control. Mm -hmm. It's nonsense, okay? Um, Mourinho is one of my favorite oh, managers. Says, it says something about who is, you know, handling the ball maybe, and no. about the dominance of the company, not no. necessarily the most attack company, a, a, team. A team. No, I... No, no. <laughs> Secret number one, everybody. Okay. It tells you literally nothing. Um, okay. If you go back to Mourinho when he was actually, you know, successful, yeah. he was a genius at uh, when he was at Inter and then at Chelsea. He was a genius at controlling the game without actually holding the ball. Mm. But they controlled the game. Now, how do I know that? Because mm. looking at other things in the game that other people weren't looking at, uh, you know, and and understanding this, mm. and you can say, well, okay, it's all assumptions and speculation. Well after years of an analytics, you prove certain assumptions. You know, the data proves itself, uh, but it takes time. And that's one of the things that we needed to, to invest quite a lot. Um, if, if you take uh, just, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's wrong, but if you take, let's say 10 wins uh, uh, from Champions League, 
nine out of the 10, correct me if I'm wrong, will have, or eight, the team that won had more possession. Would this be right? Not necessarily. No? Not necessarily. Seven out of eight? Well, it depends. Like if, um, if you're talking about... Or no team, relations whatsoever. So I would say it's, it's... The problem is, is that that piece of information is taken out of context. Okay. So Inter of old will have uh, had a certain amount of percentage Inter? of wins. Inter Milan. Yes. Would have had a certain amount of percentage of wins with a certain amount of possession. It's completely different to AC or to Arsenal, for example. Mm. Barcelona was classic. Yeah. Tiki Taka was all Tiki built Taka, on holding, holding all possession. Yeah. And... And they took the championship like uh, for sure. crazy. Until teams worked out how to defend against Tiki Taka. Okay. okay. So yeah. this is one of the problems is that in sports, you can't take one piece of data out of right. its context so you, and understand So you put it in a context and you put other analytics and this is what you did at Redwood? Yeah, that's basically, and that's okay. what we still do today. Yeah. And what's, there's a, the joy. So what I get, uh, who is, how does it work in Redwood? From what, like yeah. who, who, no, who is the customer? Just so, so our verticals that we work with are three. We have the media vertical, which is the least interesting for us because what a TV company want is something that someone sitting on the sofa can understand in yes. a graphic for three seconds. Okay. So we can provide that. That's not our USP okay. and we're no better. Yeah, than, yeah. I'd say other people are much better at that. Okay. Then you've got the um, profession, what I call the professional area, which is football clubs, uh, scouters, scouters, national okay. teams, things like that. Um, it's fascinating, hugely complex, a load of ego there as well as you can imagine, mm -hmm. as you know. That's manual um, work, by the way? It's a combination. Okay. It's a combination. But the problem with working with clubs is that uh, is, is a lot of ego there. It's like, and we're working statistically. We're trying to say what is the um, benefit of a certain player statistically. Mm -hmm. But it's not, clubs want to know, how, how am I going to bring home the money today? Mm -hmm. Or not, I, they don't want to hear, if you do this over the course of a year, you will mm -hmm. benefit. That's no good for a manager. They need it so, to be translated. So if I'm a Premier League club or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what do I get? What is the end product I get from you or well, a federation? At, at top levels, it's all fully customized because a lot of these uh, people have, and we don't have deliberately many mm -hmm. clients because very expensive products and we need to be completely um, mm -hmm. a part of the in-house team in many, yeah. many ways. We don't do shelf products okay. at that level at all. For, but I get what I get the full uh, analysis every analytics, game, every, analytics. every training as well. Yeah, uh, no, no training. But unless we have a specific setup, which is very, very rare, but um, you get a lot of um, preparation for the next game. Mm. You get a lot of um, uh, on recruitment due diligence, basically. Yeah, you mm. want to spend twenty million on a player. Okay, you should know whether he's good or not for your team. You know, and um, so you go back, you look at these ooh, statistics yeah. back. You you for like sure. do an uh, due diligence on his uh, performance. Yeah, over the course of years, and try and work out statistically mm. whether he will be a good fit for this team because uh, football is fascinating as a team sport you know you can't just build a team of stars and expect them all to play together yeah. you remember so the, it's a really tailored service oh, extremely so okay. but that's one vertical the biggest vertical that we work with and one that causes a lot of expansion is sports betting of course mm. because if you've got good maths you know uh, there's a little ego there they just want your services so yeah. um so those are the three verticals we work with um of course, over the course of years, you upgrade your abilities, you look at it more, and, and now you've got a lot of machine learning techniques uh, that can upgrade your ability to give even better stats, more precise, you know, yeah. the, and this is the way we work now. So, so there's no end in, in Yeah, so the company is continuing to run, yeah. but you now have, it's like, you know, you created a structure which allows you to do other things. Oh, so, yeah, well, right? that's been for, yeah. for a while. I mean, I... And, 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 <laughs> So tell us you're investing. I know you've invested. Uh, I know you're part of like an investment group. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm connected to a number of VCs. Yeah. Um, I sit on the board for a couple of uh, specific VCs as well. You know, I also want to hear your thoughts regarding where we are now. Because, okay. you know, sure. we are now at the uh, um, beginning of uh, July 2022. Yeah. Uh, we see what's happening in the capital markets. We see, I hear already, startups that are worried uh, that they're not going to complete their uh, round of investment. Uh, I hear investors which are very happy. Suddenly, they you know, startup that offered them uh, a ticket in a valuation of 50 or 40 now reduced it to 20, maybe 15. They're willing to get the money. Mm -hmm. So from an investor's perspective, maybe it's great. Well, startups are, are, you know, if you have the money, it's great. Now you can invest in, you know, in more, yeah. I would say, reasonable prices. Uh, is it disaster? Is it is it just, you know, correction? How do you see that? Well, let's talk first of all about the whole, uh, the overall view, and then we'll talk about the individual yeah. players and how it works out with them. But generally, I think this was absolutely necessary. Uh, you know, what was going on last year was was crazy, like no sort of crazy. You know, I, I, you're looking at tens of millions of dollars being thrown around um, with sometimes, excuse me for saying this, but very little professionalism. Sometimes people were cutting corners on due diligence because there was a huge FOMO for tens of millions of dollars. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, uh, um, I, it was frustrating for me. And, and I've got far less experience in uh, investing than a lot of the people that I was seeing. And, and I was like, this is, and I was saying to myself, am I missing something? I just don't understand, you know. So you're saying there was a FOMO and that's why people invested in a ridiculous prices of, of There was that. Companies. And, and then there's, there was all this like expansion that was, it was like people were set, telling a story that wasn't yet mm. written. They were showing you a story that wasn't yet written and there wasn't any basis for this. The right. pages weren't even printed yet. Mm. And um, and what's when that happens, and, it's, <clears throat> and the important thing to realize is it's cyclical. This has not, not happened before. This happens. It's, it goes in a cycle. We're just in a downturn, mm. just like every other downturn uh, in the past as well. And it feels disastrous at the time, but it's just a downturn. Now, people who raised a, a very, very high valuation, some are patting themselves on the back last year, it's not going to help them if their business is still going to fail at the end. And a lot of failures are going to happen. There's going to be a disproportionate amount of failures because of the amount of investment that was carried out unprofessionally in the last couple of years. Um, but just like in 2000, when people said, you know, dot-com bubble, yeah, uh, at the internet bubble, well, the internet survived after that. It's just the strong companies survived. And all the people who weren't strong fell by the wayside. Mm. Same thing is going to happen here. It's not like there are no opportunities now. If we're talking about investors, yeah, you just got to be professional as you should have been last year as well, when it was easy just to get dragged. I made probably more investments last year than I probably should have done. Maybe, you know, it's just the way things were. It's like, oh, yeah. God, God, I want to jump on the Web3 train. I want to yeah. jump on it, even though I'm very happy with the Web3 investment I made. But, you know, there's, it's easy to get carried away and people now are going to be more professional. And it means that the companies- People you mean the investors, the investors. The So let's talk about, exactly, let's talk yeah. about investors. And um, I talk to a lot of investors these days that go, listen, if it's pre-revenue, I don't want to know. So they've like, you know, cut okay, down already. their, yeah, if it's pre-revenue, one guy I spoke to the other day, he said, if it's less than 1 million AR, I don't want to know. Okay. Don't even hear, okay. you know, don't even look at a debt. And that's a new thing? Yeah, definitely. People okay. are tightening their belts. Okay. Um, because of this downturn. Um, but it means, and then there's another VC fund that I, that I know who I really yeah. like, and they said they're going contrary and they're actually going heavier. Mm. So, um because they believe that uh, the contrarian nature is actually the right way to go. And a lot of you know, seasoned investors think this, is that last year when everyone's rushing in, hold back, 
and now we want pulling back, you know, this is the time I to really have, go. I have a good friend that uh, last time in the 2008, I remember sitting in uh, uh, Boulevard, Rothschild Boulevard in Tel Aviv, and I was seeing him, uh, his investment banker, all excited, and we were all like, you know, we're dealing with IPOs in London by yeah. then, and on the end, yeah. it was disaster. And yeah. he was like shiny, and I asked him, uh, his name is the same as Amir, I asked yeah. him, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with you, Amir? What's, why are you so happy? <laughs> yeah, he says, what do you mean? I'm waiting for this time of the, the, down, the downturn, and yeah. then I get my checkbook and yeah. my suitcase, James Bond suitcase, <laughs> and I go and buy yeah. And if you think about it, you know, a lot of VCs are, you know, probably have highly, if they've invested in the last two years in the higher valuations, they are in, in, not in a good shape no, now. No, that's the thing. It's all to do with yeah. timing. Absolutely. Timing. Yeah. So if you do have the capital now yeah. Yeah, to invest now, probably yeah. in startups, they will be willing to get the good startups that yeah. are there, that are, you can see that they are, they are sound, the team is sound there. They already have the customers, the initial customers they are growing. They have something that the market really needs yeah. and they proved it. Maybe now you can bet, get the ama most amazing deal. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because last year you, people were like, you know, without even blinking, 20 million valuation, yeah. 30 million valuation. Look, These, this time yeah. people know that they, they can't say that. And it's good, it's good because it's, it's just gonna cause failures. A, a business, it doesn't succeed because it did a seed round for 20 million. It hasn't succeeded yet. Exactly. That, you know what I mean? That's that's the thing. It uh, succeeds. And, and this is what the work just started when you raise the money. So sometimes yeah. I, I sit around the table um, and I'm like, I say, am I the only one that actually thinks a business needs to make money here? You're like, <laughs> it's just, it drives me mad. Yeah. It's like it's all about the raise. It's all about so you think this you know, downturn maybe will make uh, the hype around uh, <laughs> especially Web3, by the way. Yeah. You know, we have uh, at Hype, we have uh, a new cycle focusing on Web3 startups. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, we get about 150 startups selected now, yeah. which out of them, they're all Web3. Right. So uh, NFT, Metaverse. And what is different from this cycle to other cycles in the past, which was sport tech in general, you know, broadcasting, is the valuation. Yeah. The valuation that those startups, some of them, you know, six months just started six, six months ago, they're already looking at 15 to 20 million valuation. Yeah. Now, this is an it's still under negotiation. Good for us, it's still yeah. just an MOU. Once they are accepted into the program, we still have an opportunity to look again at, at the uh, final valuation. Yeah. But without a doubt, this was, I would say, a, a uh, odd to say yeah. the least in terms of the numbers that were thrown there and yeah. I agree with you there is you know you know and but there is another angle if you think of the, the web3 and metaverse startups unlike sport tech mm -hmm. which the implementation is fairly simple yeah with web3 metaverse nft there is a lot of process of trial and error so of there course. is a longer time until revenue yeah you know, if you had a good startup in sport tech performance, if it's good, it's doing the work, you can get a deal. For sure. On Metaverse NFT, mm -hmm. if you're not the big players, the Dapper Labs or the Soraya of the world, yeah. it will take time until you, you generate revenue. Yeah. And here, it's, it could be quite challenging, even for the good startups, sure. to, 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 to make it. Because the, I think the cycle from, you know, Doing a pilot and then getting getting the revenue in 
will be probably longer than the regular, I would yeah. say, sporting industry. Yeah, I agree with that totally. But again, there's an investor that fits everything. Yes. And, um, yeah, our investors, which will have the patience for that, and yeah. we'll wait for two, three years sure. until the Web3 will, will come back. Yeah. Someone spoke oh. to me recently. Someone told me recently, um, uh, we'll a very grow. wise guy, he said, said there are two types of investors, generally speaking. There's the ones that like the fuzzy blanket, the warm fuzzy blanket. What did he mean by that? And I immediately realized that I'm one of these guys. The warm fuzzy blanket. What does it mean? Is that I can see the revenues coming in. So I've got that that security, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the others that that look for the moonshot. And he was specifically a moonshot guy. And if you've got the pockets to do that and the risk appetite to do that, then you are happy, totally happy, with that one in 30 coming off, but for yes. a huge amount. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're the fuzzy blanket investor, and I realize that I'm a bit more like that. Fuzzy. Yeah, because, and the reason is, I think, is because I've built businesses myself. So yeah, you're always you know, a bit more risk averse. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know the pitfalls and, yeah. and, and um, you know, and, and I just sort of click a bit more with, what are the earnings? What's the, you know, yeah. are we making money? When are we breaking even? Because that's what I've yeah. dealt with all my life. Yeah. Um, whereas he, and I'm a bit jealous in a way, I, I wish I could be a bit of a moonshot guy, yeah. you know, um, but I'm less of that. And I agree with you that Web3 web and Metaverse are the big opportunities now, but they're also like big opportunities, they're big risk. And until we understand how that's going to play out, um, there will be a lot that fall by the wayside. A lot of companies that look fantastic today will fall by the wayside, but it's only through trial and error, as yeah. exactly you said. You know, um, I can relate to something you said to me before uh, the session today. Uh, about you know the inspiration uh you know when you look at yourself investing or you know creating something it's different and you're more excited about creation and you know and creating a new venture and leading something new than investing and you know i for a long time you know after i sold my business in 2003 i started an investment house boutique and i raise money uh, to a fund and I started investing. Yeah. And I so much wanted to be on the other side. I'm the <laughs> investor now. I don't need to beg for money anymore. Yeah. But for so so fast I I lost interest yeah. in the because you know people think that you know if I'm an entrepreneur one day I will be an investor. Yeah. But it's not you know investor is a very specific type of of I would say profession. Yeah. And it's not for all no. You know, most of the entrepreneurs listening to us now think, <laughs> when I grow up, I will be an investor, yeah? It's not necessarily that, because yeah. the exciting, if, you're, sure. if you wake up in the morning to create something, to make yeah. a difference in the world, you know, to sit up with numbers and make the calculation, and, yeah. you know, this is totally, I was, I couldn't see those excels. Yeah. I couldn't really look at, you know, it wasn't for me. I needed to... And then very fast, I had a partner managing the startups and I looked for new businesses yeah. and ending up uh, with hype eventually. Yeah? Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, yeah, I believe absolutely. this is where you are now. So yeah. you're, not, you're not starting an investor's career now. No, yeah? no. And, and, well, that's the thing is that I've sort of defined for the last two, three years as an investor, but it's not my, my being. I, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And I think that just like on your journey, we've all got to understand what it is that drives us. And uh, I'm exactly the same as you, you described. I'm on this, I'm at the due diligence table. I feel like I'm on the wrong side of the table. Yeah. I'm sort of connecting with the founders because I'm much more like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and other people are like, what are you, shut up. Yeah. You know, like, but that's what I feel. I feel their pain and, and whatever, which I try and leverage that as an investor yeah. because then you're connected more and you're not, 
it's, it's great if you can get investors who are not on the other side of the table, but on your side of the table. But I know that that's not my, you know, it's not what I want to do. It's not what my passion. I love the advantages of being an investor give, and I feel hugely privileged to be able to, to invest. I mean, it's an enormous privilege to be in this situation, but I know that I'm just like you. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I want to build something on a, I want to ride that roller coaster and I want to keep going. So let's say uh, for the entrepreneurs with us now, if you, if I will ask you, Daniel, you, you've been to shitty times and I know you have been, yeah? Uh, there is nobody uh, in this space, which I think is the hardest, hardest work in the, maybe a prime minister of Israel is a little bit harder. <laughs> Or, or I don't know. It's a but, lot harder being the prime minister. But, uh, <laughs> let's make it not too, you know too much uh, uh, you know for, of this local swamp. But I think to you know this, you've been as an entrepreneur, and you went through the process and where you are now. You're now what fifty? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Do I look fifty? No, no, Do you, I look, look you look forty. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fifty-five, so I think everybody's 50. so. You know, you're on the right side of the 50s, as you say. Yeah, still. still. <laughs> uh, what would be like, you know, to the entrepreneurs we, you know, with us today? Give us like three real, you know, life tips that will really make can help them on their journey, especially now, where some of them, I'm sure, are struggling. Um, wow, three life tips. I think one of the the main things after going through, you know, and again, let's not forget that that you and I are also in the middle of our journeys. We've got a hell of a lot to learn ahead of, of us as well. You know, it's not like we're talking here like two old men <laughs> that have seen everything. We haven't seen everything yet. We've seen, we may have seen more than other people, but you know, so. A good, a good I, friend of mine, I've just in brackets, yeah. asked me recently, Amir, what have you, where are you going to do when you grow up? Yeah. <laughs> I'll ask you this in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. So three well, tips. So I would say the first one is, I think when you're young, you see people and, and you can see people on podcasts. You go, oh, look at that. I want to be like that. And I think that what I've learned is that everyone is very, very individual. And what you need to do is not think I want to be like that. I want to take certain things I like about that person or, or lessons that I've learned from those people and bring it into my character slowly, slowly. And it's, it takes time to really understand who you are. Um, like I wouldn't have known when I was 23 that I'm much more of an entrepreneur than an investor, whatever. I, mean, I may have guessed something I don't know, but I wouldn't even thought of that. Do you know what I mean? I think that it takes you until you're 30 generally to really understand a little bit more about who you are and you stop playing a game of being this person or that person. You take masks off. Do you know what I mean? I mean obviously, yeah. it's very individual. But too many people look and they go, oh my God, look at that person giving amazing life advice. I want to be like him. You don't want to be like him. You want to take certain lessons from that person, bring it into your character. Yeah, I think Jordan Jefferson uh, says... Uh, you want to be a little bit better than the person you were, mm -hmm. not compare it to the uh, lousy person you are thinking you are now. Yes. Oh, Just a little bit better right. yeah. to who you were a few days ago or a year ago. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And so, in fact, that, that leads me on to another tip. Yeah. Now I think about yeah. it, is that it's all so easy, especially in this world of social media, um, to put yourself down. Mm. Um, and, it's yeah. so, and people talk about this all, all the time. Yeah. It's so important to realize that no social one, media social yeah. media is a nightmare like yeah. i look on look i'm i'm only on linkedin i'm not on anywhere else deliberately it's a huge waste yeah. of time for me even on linkedin if you trust linkedin 
everyone's doing uh, like yeah. everyone's making ipos everyone's unbelievable yeah. we're, we're all successful we're all getting new jobs we're gonna, no one says i got fired today yeah no one says oh my, my investment yeah. like failed today four million no one says that some people do but the it's not proportionate to Absolutely. real life and so you can easily and naturally get dragged into thinking i'm not good enough and you may not be good enough but it's not because of social media yeah. it's you've just got to sort of realize that how your chances of success are probably better than, the, than you think mm -hmm. because not everyone's perfect. We have this tendency to think, wow, look at these people. They, they're all top-notch professionals. Well, more than often, I find out that the people I thought were top-notch professionals are not. They're just other people. And realizing that people are just other people in life, I think allows people to take a deep breath and say, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, and that's good. Well, I would add to this. Uh, you, you mentioned don't look at the uh, social media as you know the way things are. Uh, I would add to this: surround yourself with people that it's like you know your your home team, that yeah. people that takes you up. You know, yeah. clean people that are dragging you down, and bring a team of people, friends, works you know around you, colleagues, friends, people you just consult mentors yeah. that are there to take you up when you're down and i think having the ability to surround yourself uh, even with paid mentors mm -hmm. which can be there for you to take you up because the, the journey is bloody hard yeah so that's the, third, the second thing but yeah. to that, that yeah. it's not simple to to recognize who's there in your corner and who's actually pretending to be in your corner yeah when you're younger and, I, and i'm naturally a bit naive like sometimes I think, oh God, look at this person, really, really nice. And they think, and then I need one of, you know, my guys to say, Daniel, careful, think they might want this, they might want that, you know. Yes. And so you've always got trying to identify who's actually in your corner and who has an agenda. Yes. Uh, is important, and that's not simple. Yes. Yes. To really clean yeah. the the environment around you. Yeah. And and create a safe safe environment, especially yeah. to take you to the next level, not to drag you down. Yeah. So that's the second one. Third one. Oh, third one. You're pushing me on this one. Uh, how about, I think going back to one of the things I said before that I'm sort of naturally blessed with an, uh, a lack of fear of uncertainty. I think that in order to try... I wouldn't, and... I wouldn't agree with lack of fear. I think he, there, is fear, there is a fear always, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're okay with this fear. You're not freaking out. Yeah. It's not okay. lack of fear. You know, we, when I was, I, there is a fear there when I'm starting something new. You are starting oh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't sure. want to fail. There well, is think, a fear. I think but that, but yeah. you're okay. You, <laughs> other people freak out and they yeah. leave or they yeah. don't want to go there. You're okay with yeah. staying there. And it's like being in a frozen water. You are okay with suffering until oh, you yeah. feel okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. I think you've touched on a really, really good point, which I think is actually better than the point that I was going to make. <laughs> so I'm going to make that point. Okay. Suffering is important. Uh, and I think that people... Being okay with suffering. Being okay with uh, suffering. If you, good. you know, one of my favorite books is, um, and I'm not a great reader. I yeah. wish I was a great reader. But one of my favorite books is The Road Less Traveled by Scott M. Peck. And I really Road recommend less... The Road Less Traveled. Okay. And the opening, the opening sentence is, life is difficult. And then the opening paragraph goes yeah. on to explain why once you embrace the fact that life is difficult, it's actually a very, very positive thing. Because if we understand that life is difficult and we stop expecting life to be easy, yeah. then it ceases to become difficult. You transcend that difficulty. And this, I think, is not just business, yeah. life. 
if you get up every morning thinking things are going to be perfect, you're going to be bitter about the idiot that cut you mm. off. You know, if we drive in this country, if you expect people to drive beautifully all the time, you're going to be pissed off all the time. Yeah. Life is the same. You've got to not be pessimistic. That's not the point. But expecting life is difficult. Understanding that if I ex expect it and, and actually that's okay mm. and it's good to suffer, then you come out the other side. You transcend that difficulty. So yeah. understanding that if I'm going through a bad patch, like, well, hang on, this is great. What have I got to learn from this? How do I get through it? I remember once uh, I was, I, there was a period, I'm, I'm swimming usually. Yeah, swimming twice a week, not, uh, not that much, but I used to run for a while. And yeah. I remember somebody told me in, the, in running, I don't know if you run. Uh, occasionally, yeah, yeah. There is the period in the beginning that you start to suffer, mm -hmm. just bear with suffering. Yeah. And I think I can relate to that also in business. You know? yeah, absolutely. It's being okay with suffering and seeing that yeah. uh, uh, you're suffering while you're running, you're not dead. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not pleasant, yeah. but it, it will pass. Yeah. Yeah? And bear with it and it will uh, get a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, just being there, yeah. uh, not you know, freaking out, Ooh, Embrace, it's too much. Embracing, I, I, it. Yeah. embracing, embracing it. it. Yeah, like, embracing it. This is good because yeah. I know that it's going to, and I think that's the big difference between a lot of, obviously you need a lot of luck in life yeah. as well. People need to understand that. You know, any, any successful entrepreneur, if he thinks it's all down to him and didn't yeah. get a nice dose of luck and timing on the way, he's deluded. Um, I know that I had uh, my fair share of luck along the way, but understanding that um, the difference between a lot of successful entrepreneurs and failed ones are the ones that just couldn't take the heat. They just sort of like didn't like the suffering, so they just yeah. didn't do it. And, and in, in addition to that, the difference between successful and, and, and unsuccessful entrepreneurs is the one that sticked there enough, longer enough, long enough. And I remember once in New York hearing somebody says on the stage, sometimes you need to stay long enough in business to get lucky. Yeah. Stay yeah. long enough. Hang in there. Yeah. You know, I got a call from a, a guy selling, uh, I have a, a guitar. Yeah. yeah even here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the guy is offering uh, guitar uh, lessons. But for two years, he's not giving up on me. I once filled up the form <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and now he got me and I, I, I said, you know what, let's do it. Yeah. And, and let's, because, I, I, you know, <laughs> and he was there and I really admired. Yeah. His persistency, you know, he's he's a guitar teacher, but he's yeah. not giving up on that. Yeah. So I think people appreciate, you know, yeah. you know, when we started seven years ago, people thought, ah, you know, it's just a hype. But yeah, they see it's an ongoing. They see yeah. it's you Still know, it's, yeah. It, yeah. So it's and people appreciate persistency and they appreciate the fact that you are, you know, there long enough. They yeah. they feel that there is something there eventually that you know will will bring value if they. It's, you know, you're still there. And, yeah. and that's something that I think entrepreneurs sometimes lacking because to see this perspective and, you know, hanging yeah. there has its own merit. Last question as we're uh, <laughs> uh, wrapping up. Uh, Daniel, what would you like to do when you grow up? Do you want to grow up? <laughs> that's a good one. Who wants to grow up? <laughs> I'll find out when I grow up. I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, give us a hint. You know, when you grow up, what, like when you have a picture in your mind, in three years' time, five years' time, you know, what would it be? Well, after, like, 20... If everything years, is possible. So after 22 years in sports, I honestly believe that that's all I know, and I, I don't want to do anything else. And if I can bring impact to the li to lives of people through sports, through my career, my network, my knowledge experience, 
I'll be more than, I'll be so happy. If, and, it, and that's what I think it is. It's not just making business, it's bringing some impact to the lives of people through sports, because I believe that sport is so powerful. It's, sport is more than just sport. It's, it's life for me, you know, it, it impacts people. When you think about what sport can do to take kids from the wrong side of the tracks to the right side of the tracks, sport can impact people in a way that I don't believe, obviously I'm, I'm biased, we're biased, we love sport. I don't believe any other um, area or sector can do what sports can Like do. what? Tell me about potential impact. You mentioned the kids, what else? Well, the, the kids, it's a, a massive one. I mean, like there's, um, uh, there are so many stories about if it wasn't for sports, then, you know, a number of people, uh, stories in South African rugby, for example, they would have ended up in jail or dead in gang warfare, or they went on, on to play for rugby, even captained rugby, uh, the rugby national team in South Africa. Uh, it's just one example. And there are so many, and it doesn't have to be a famous thing as well. If, if you can take a kid and through sports, because it's education, put his mind in, in a focus of being better than maybe his circumstances, because it's not a level playing field. I mean, we know that. I came from a middle-class background. You say, I, I went through difficulties and whatever. Middle-class background. People have gone through a hell of a lot more difficult times than yeah. me. And it's not a level playing field. So the people who are being told all their childhood, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Sport has the ability to give them an escape to actually be something else, to make them believe. And then it could be through sport that that kid actually goes to university, becomes a lawyer. So it doesn't have to be the sports celeb in the end, but that's the power of sport. It's enormous. And for me, you know, I've always dealt on the top level of sport. I'm actually getting more and more interested in the grassroots level of sport. And, and I'm interested in how there's a lot of tech uh, these days that are actually aimed at looking at the long tail of sport, which is always very difficult to monetize traditionally. Now it's getting possible because tech prices have come down. And I think this gives opportunity to really uh, make a massive impact um, to people's lives. So it's not just about making professional sports players better or, or making betting operators earn more money or whatever. I personally would love to, and I know it sounds idealistic, but that's who I am. I want to be able to use, if, if I've come to something, if I've made some success in my life, I want to turn that into significance by helping to impact people's lives through sport. Amazing. And you know what hype uh, vision is? Go on. Impact people's lives through the power of sports and innovation. Oh, there you go. So, you, uh, so we're very aligned. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the innovation part, I think now is even getting, you know, looking at impacting people through the, I would say, the new platform of Web3, mm -hmm. yeah? yeah, which will allow co-creation work. Yeah. co-creation people from everywhere yeah. speaking about level you know leveling up and allowing you know minorities and less vantage minorities to yeah. i think this will open up the world to more interesting and inspiring game for more people yeah. and i think sports innovation as a whole uh, alongside sports of course i think really can continue and, and bring this impact that you're talking about yeah, so i believe daniel It was a pleasure. It's Thank you very much for uh, coming much. to Hype Offices and uh, I'm sure we'll have another chance to uh, follow up on that. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks for joining. Bye for now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
כיף, אנחנו נערוך את זה. קצנצר בהתחלה לדעתי פה זה ליל בי טו מאץ', נערוך את זה קצת, אבל אני חושב שיש פה סשן מאוד, סשן מצוין. אותנטי ואמיתי, ואני רוצה שפיפי ונהיה בקשר, ותגיד לחבר של השותף שלך, מי זה? שיבוא, ערן? אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה